Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this message. I wanted to begin with a story. If you think about storms, you probably think about storms that you've been in. There's, I don't know how many people that have been in sort of storms that have made news headlines, although pretty much now, if you watch the, the weather, there's a, there's a storm Hannah, there was storm Doris, there's storm this, there's storm that. There's storms, we name storms, it's kind of like a daily occurrence. Oh, there's a storm happening. Oh, this is happening. Oh. But I can think of a storm a few years ago. I used to work at the Sixth Form College in Stoke, lived in Bucknell, and I walked to and from work. Um, you don't need to feel sorry for me. I made that choice to do that. It was a 50-minute walk every day. And um, it was a summer's um, evening on, on my way home. It was getting close. You know that? It was getting close. The, the, the clouds were gathering. I could tell I need to get home quick. And at that stage, we had a cat. And we'd, at the beginning of the day, we'd let the cat out. So I, w- I was thinking, okay, I need to get home. But also, I need to get home to let the cat in. Because if this storm hits, it's going to hit bad. And as I was walking, I was kind of getting to a bus stop. And then I thought, oh, there's a drip here. Shall I, shall I wait here a bit and carry on? Shall I sit? I carried on. And then I started to think, okay, it's starting to absolutely wee it down. To the point where it wasn't just wipe the water off. It was wring your clothes kind of wet. I am absolutely drenched. And, and I mentioned bus stops because you're kind of thinking, if I can just get to that bus stop and I'll wait for 10 minutes, maybe the storm will pass. It just wasn't passing. I was getting drenched and I was starting to panic. I was like, Misty the cat. She's getting drenched. She can't look after herself. Anyway, so I... I pushed on through the storm, got home, was absolutely drenched. Where's the cat? Misty, putting food out. Come on, Misty. It was still absolutely weaning it down with rain. Where's the cat? Come on, Misty, come on. Now, I need to add another dimension to this story. Steph will tell you and she'll vouch for me. If somebody phones, somebody knocks on the door, somebody meets me in the street trying to sell me something, recruit me for something, um, get me to sign up to a mailing list, give to this charity, I will do it. Jehovah's Witnesses come around, I will convert to their religion. If they, <laughs> I don't, not really. But literally, I will give them a conversation. I, I cannot ignore someone. I cannot shut the door in someone's face. I cannot do it. Bearing in mind, it is heaving with rain. It is just pouring, and I'm looking for my cat. I've left the front door open. I've left the back door open. I'm wringing my clothes out in the house. I go and see it because I heard a noise at the front door. Ah, Misty. No, there's a gentleman at the door. Like myself, completely drowned wet. Now, at this point, I'm faced with a dilemma. Do I just shut the door in his face, or do I invite him in? I invited him in. (laughs) I didn't know who he was or what he was doing, but I invited him into my house. It turned out, he was doing a survey. I was signing up for a mailing list. I've now been spammed every single day since then with phone calls because of this £5 voucher that I received because I took part in this survey. Now, that wasn't the biggest part of the storm. The biggest part of the storm... Well, I just mentioned Misty came in. She did eventually come in. The biggest part of the storm was I knew that Steph would kill me. There's a stranger in the house. I'm signing up for products. I'm giving personal information. I'm just doing the stuff that you shouldn't be doing in my own house. It's like I've been daylight daylight robbery. And I knew Steph was going to pull up. So I messaged Steph and said, I just said, please forgive me. (laughs) I was in a storm. And I wasn't really smiling. Although I look back and I smile because all, the, all my kind of imperfections were put into one, um, one scenario in that storm. You think about storms. You may be in a storm where actually, um, think about somebody or a, a nation that is suffering with a drought. They are praying for the storm. They're believing. If they, we need some rain. We need a storm. Storms aren't all bad. 
There could be the storm, and we hear about them on the news, and maybe one or two of you have, have been involved in one of these, but I pray that you don't. But these catastrophic storms that just wipe out islands and people, and it just horrendous. that's the kind of storm I don't want to be involved in. There's different types of storms. There's the storms, as I mentioned before, you know, we give them a cute name, Storm Hannah, and we get all ready, we batten down the hatchets, we're in England, it's going to be bad, guys, it's going to be the worst storm that's hit the UK since the, last week. And a bit of drizzle falls on our head and we're like, oh, well, what happened to that storm? Sometimes storms aren't as bad as we expect them to be. And it's not just in the physical, the literal sense, in the metaphorical sense as well. We can go through storms. We expect the worst. But it's not as bad as we thought it was. Sometimes the catastrophic can happen unexpected. No warnings, no announcements. Sometimes maybe something happens a stressor in your life, something that looks like a storm on the outside, but actually is really good for you. Often they say the biggest stresses in life are weddings, moving house, starting new jobs. These aren't bad things, but they could be considered to be a storm in your life because they cause a stress. They cause a stress. They cause us to change the way we live our lives. And I think storms aren't all bad. I think about Jesus. I think about who he was. And I think about us as a, as a faith, us as a religion, if you want to call us, Christians, we hold our faith and our belief in a man who went through the worst storm. We, our reason for being here this morning is because a storm took place that led Jesus to the cross. He died, he was beaten, he was broken. The storm happened. If that didn't happen, we would not be here today. We would not have a reason to celebrate. We would not be saved. So I think storms aren't all that bad in that situation. They were not good in the time. I'm not diminishing what Jesus went through, sweating blood and kind of crying out to the Father. But where would we be without it? Where would we be without it? The Apostle Paul, this is where I'm going to be camped in for today's message. And we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, you can get your little ribbon bookmark and put it in place and say, right, I'm ready for today's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're pretty much going to stay there for the whole of the message, jump around a few verses, and then maybe jump into a couple of other verses elsewhere in Corinthians. But that's pretty much today's message. So you know where you know where you are at, okay? But Paul... He himself, who initially was a Christian hater, Christian killer, held the coats of those who would be stoning Christians and killing them. He was a bad, bad man. But many of you will know that he went on a conversion experience that completely, radically changed his life. He met with Jesus. His eyes were opened and he found that no longer did he hate Christians, but he was now going to preach the same message of Jesus. And what Paul did, we stand here today because of you know, him starting and planting churches and the, and the gospel grew and grew and grew and grew. And we are so grateful. We owe a lot of gratitude to the Apostle Paul, but he, he had a difficult beginning. But he didn't have a very easy middle <laughs> of his life either. His life wasn't roses. It wasn't plain sailing. He faced many storms. In fact, the chapter that I'm going to read, he kind of is writing in the middle of a storm. He's planted a church, if you read Acts, he's planted a church in Corinth. And he writes a letter to Corinth, uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 1, but one Corinth, sorry, 2 Corinthians, the 2 Corinthians, is this letter of almost defending himself because people had started to criticize him. They started to say, who are you? 
You're not rich. You're not, you know, from a, a wealthy background. You're not worthy. You're not a good communicator. He wasn't particularly good at uh, public speaking. People started to slander him, challenge his integrity, saying, you, you're taking an offering and you're keeping it for yourself. People were challenging Paul. And he's writing to that same church to kind of correct what is going on. There's some false teachers. He, he talks about it. He refers to them as super apostles. These people that are, um, you know, they're pristinely dressed. They are beautiful. They are really, really rich. They are just eloquent and perfect public speakers. They are these super apostles. And Paul is coming into the context of this and saying, Hi, I'm Paul. I started this thing. And he's defending himself and he's defending his ministry. And he's saying, actually, those guys were false. They're lying. So he's writing in the middle of a storm, which is where we pick up chapter 4. He says in verse 1, and I'm going to read a few verses, make a comment, read a few verses, make a comment. And we'll pretty much go through the whole of this chapter. So get ready. Buckle up. (laughs) 2 Corinthians Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, key phrase, number one, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So he's kind of just, in, a, in some way, defending himself just here. Move on to verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, talking to the church in Corinth, we're your servants. For Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here's another key phrase for you. But we have this treasure, this gospel, this power, this wonderful news, this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Now just pause Jars of clay, that was a common way of of holding something valuable. Clay wasn't particularly attractive, wasn't particularly valuable. It wasn't particularly, you know, something that people, it wouldn't draw attention. So if you wanted to put something valuable or keep it safe, you put it in a clay jar because people wouldn't necessarily be drawn to it to want to steal it because it's this unassuming, this just ugly clay jar. We, you and me, carry the treasure of the gospel in this basic, bog standard. I'm not here to kind of knock you down or anything. I'm just saying we're just weak vessel, jar of clay. That's you and me. We're not, we're not necessarily anything special. We're not a super apostle. We're a jar of clay. And I think this imagery, this, this imagery is going to help us for the rest of my message. It's, it's, the, the, it's the thought of something being inside of something else. So in this case, it's a jar. So I want you to kind of go deep. And maybe Becky was right hitting my head on something. We want to go deep inside of something today. But there's, a, there's an outer shell. There's an outer carrying case that we're going to talk about as well. We'll move on because I'm going through up until verse 18. But we'll jump ahead to verse 8. This is a verse that proves to me that Paul had storms in his life. 
We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He went through some storms in his life. We'll jump a few verses into verse 15 to 16. Again, he's talking to the church in Corinth. All of this, take the suffering, take the persecution, take the stuff he's going through. All of this, verse 15, is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Here is phrase number one again. Therefore, do not lose heart. Or to put it in our language, smile in the storm. Though outwardly, outer shell, jar of clay, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, this is good news. We are being renewed day by day. The message for somebody today is do not lose heart. Smile in the storm. You are being renewed inside. Whatever's going on the outside, it could be the worst storm that you've ever faced in your entire life, but inside you're being renewed day by day by day. You're a new person. You're not going to get broken. You're not beaten. You are being renewed. And I've got a prop today. It's an egg. It's a jar of clay. We're going to play a game. I'm going to see how far. I reckon I could reach Baz with this egg. Or I could reach Michael with this egg. But the question is, would they catch it? And the question is, would um, somebody be willing to clean it up after? (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. But what if I was to tell you um, that I'd applied some heat to this egg? I've applied a storm. I've applied some pressure, some difficult time, some boiling water for approximately 10 minutes, I learned this morning. This is the first egg that I ever boiled, and I actually couldn't do it properly. Steph did it for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is a hard boiled egg. And I'm going to try, I really hope, this is where Steph could really, really mess with me. Perfect. So as you can see, I mean, you probably can't see, and especially if you listen online, you have no chance of seeing this. But you can do this at home as homework. Boil an egg, hard boil it, then throw it on the floor, see what happens. This, without any rehearsal, did exactly what I wanted it to do. The outer shell has cracked. If you wanted to eat it like Steph does, you could peel it away. You could flick the bits of shell somewhere and put it in the bin. But the hole, the inside, has kept its shape. Your outside could be wasting away. You're getting older. You're getting frailer. You're you're getting less time. You've got more kids. You've got more things to worry about. But inside, nothing changes. You're a jar of clay. The treasure is the same. Storms... And suffering may damage like this. Crack shell, but it's still an egg. You could still eat it. It's not broken. 
it's still an egg. Storms may damage your outer shell, but they cannot touch your inner. They cannot touch the gospel. They cannot touch what the, the treasure that Jesus has put inside of you. The life-changing power that is in you cannot be touched by a storm. I've not even started yet. We're going on to verse 17. <laughs> verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. This is my key phrase number three. But on what is unseen. The NLT says on what you cannot see. Fix your eyes on what you cannot see. Does that make sense? You need to apply some different logic to this. We're looking at what is unseen. Since what is temporary, sorry, what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. In a storm, we often look at what we can see. We measure how much it cost, how much it hurt, how it affected those around us, how old I am and how, you know, how it's aged me, how, how it's changed my appearance, how it's changed my feelings. We start putting human measurements in place. We start looking and analyzing and saying, this is how this storm is affecting me. This is, this is what is happening right now. We measure our lives by the things we see, how much we earn, our age, our gender, how tall we are. We measure suffering in a similar way by how much they hurt, how much they cost, how much they affect others. But God has a different kind of measuring system. He looks at the unseen. He doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't look at what is seen. He measures and looks at what is not seen. We need to look at our lives and our storms differently, which is the next 20 minutes of this message. (laughs) Okay, so three reasons why, this is my title, we've got there halfway through, three reasons why you can smile in a storm. And I just felt this morning, I just need to give somebody permission today to smile in their storm. I remember um, losing my dad at the funeral. Um, I felt guilty for smiling at my own dad's funeral. And for a while, I always felt bad when I wasn't crying. I felt like I was wrong. I was a bad human when I wasn't upset. And I think that's wrong. I know where my dad is and was, and I know that there was a good end to that story. But I think, I'm not here to say that you should, I'm not here to say that whatever you're going through, you should just man up and smile. But actually, some people in the room, myself included, sometimes I just want permission. I, it's okay to smile. It's bad, but it's okay to smile. It's okay. It's okay. You can, start, you can smile. So today's message is all about saying, yes, you can smile. I'm giving you permission to smile today. Three reasons. Firstly, the storm will not destroy you. I'll have it in the brackets, I haven't got it on the screen, but the reason the storm won't destroy you is because God will sustain you. The storm will not destroy you. I get that from verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed. That's my action for perplexed. But not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. 
We are, forgot the last one, (laughs) struck down, but not destroyed. The storm won't destroy you. It won't destroy you. I think those two words are key, but not. You can apply it to your own situation. I'm hurting, but I'm not dead. I'm in debt, but I'm not beyond help. I'm struggling with anxiety, but I can, but not uncomfortable, if that makes sense. I, I, I can be comforted. I'll read my notes. <laughs> I'm in trouble, but not finished. I feel upset, but not beyond comfort. You can smile because you know that you're not going to be destroyed by whatever you're facing. As difficult and as horrible and as traumatic as it is, it won't destroy you, Christian. Believer in Jesus, it won't destroy you. Even if it ends in death, even if your storm lasts a whole life and on your deathbed, it's not the end. You're not destroyed. You have an eternity with Jesus forever. And it says in verse 14, we'll jump back a couple. We know, Corinthians 4.14, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us. So even if your storm lasts a lifetime, forever, and it, it goes to your deathbed, you will be raised. If you're a believer in Jesus, you will be raised again. I hope this is okay. I'm trying to bring encouragement, but also maybe challenge as well. So some practical things, if you're, if you're a practical person. Maybe you need to find something that you're thankful for. So I'm going through this storm, but at least I'm not going through that storm. I've, I've got this sickness, but at least it's not terminal. I'm on medication, but at least it's not forever. I've got mental health struggles, but at least I'm not depressed. I don't know. Maybe you just need to think, okay, thank God I'm not that. Or thank God for something that you do have. Thank God for something. And praise God for something that you do have. And if the storm isn't going to destroy you, surely God is there with you. That's the only way that you can survive this storm, if God is with you. So practically, look for God. If you're in a storm right now, where are you, God? Come on, God. Go deeper in prayer. Ask God. Find God. Receive God. Look for God. And then finally, maybe you just need somebody to help you. Maybe you need someone else in your life to remind you that that storm isn't going to destroy you. Or maybe what you could do is look and help somebody else who is going through a storm that you consider to be worse than yours. Go and help them. And suddenly you realize your storm isn't destroying you anymore. So that's practical thing number one. Why can I smile in the storm. It's because the storm's not going to destroy you, Christian believer. It's not going to destroy you. If you know Jesus, it's not going to destroy you. Come on. Secondly, the storm will not last long. God will bring an end to your storm. I get this from verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Let's just get something straight. Paul here is referring to suffering and troubles and storms as light and momentary. Can I just read you Paul's CV of suffering? Can I just go through? We shouldn't compare ourselves with other people, but let's, let's just... I'm going to compare my life with his. 
2 Corinthians 11, a few chapters later, this is Paul speaking. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city, in the desert, and in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I can relate to that one. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And Paul thinks troubles are light. (laughs) Makes me feel, (laughs) what am I worried about? Sometimes you just need to look at other people's troubles and put that into perspective. It helps us to see if you need some practical way of doing that, just go into BBC News. I just looked at the headlines. If, if you scroll past Brexit, you know, eight or nine different um, top, top of the list. If you go down, you kind of you, you listen and read about struggles and sufferings and storms that people are going through and the tragedy of people's lives. But the good news is your storm won't last forever. And dare I say it, your storms are light. I consider my storms light in compared to what somebody of my age or younger in the trenches of World War I. I consider my storms way lighter than somebody that was in a concentration camp during World War II. I listened to an interview of, of, um, of a mother who lost her eight-year-old daughter during the Manchester bombings. And she herself was injured in a coma, missed that whole you know, grieving process with her husband. I just think about that poor husband. My suffering, I'm not here to say yours are light, but I feel like my suffering is light compared to what some people have to go through. But the good news is your storm will not last. Your storm will not last forever. God will bring an end to it. Even, as I said before, even if it ends in your death and your storm lasts your whole earthly life, your earthly life is nothing. It's a speck on a timeline of events for the whole of eternity. Our time, 100 years, maybe 120, if we, if we by the time medical science gets to the point in, in the future, we could, be, we could be living that long. No more. But eternity is just huge in comparison. So moment, momentary suffering, momentary storms. And I'm not here to say that if you've been going through something for 20 plus years or whatever, or you're struggling with something, I'm not here to say that's nothing. I'm not here to say that that's wrong or you're wrong to feel that way but in comparison to eternity our suffering is short and light so that's second the storm will not last long third reason that you can smile in the storm I think this is important to hear the storm will not be meaningless God is doing something in your storm, behind the scenes. I just want to pick up again in verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are, in the NIV version, uses the word achieving. So your storm is achieving something. What's it achieving? For us, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
This word, achieving, the Greek translation is producing. It means um, causing or performing. So your storm, your troubles, your um, light and momentary troubles are producing something. An eternal weight of glory. Your, your storms have actually have purpose and meaning. So often we, we hear in the news about so-and-so went through that, and it just was so meaningless. Forgive me if I mention a few real stories, but I listened on BBC Midlands today of a guy that died in the cinema because of his reclining chair. The guy went out to the cinema to watch a movie, and he died there. How utterly meaningless it seems. Are you kidding me, God? Are you kidding me, God, that a guy can go to the cinema with his family and die? Meaningless, it seems. I need to hear this message when I'm broken by hearing news like that. That it's not meaningless. Your suffering, as, as just traumatic and tragic as it could be, is not meaningless. It has purpose. I think the more suffering that you can endure here on earth has a causal relationship with the amount of eternity and glory that you can enjoy in the future. There's this causal relationship. There's this connection between suffering and glory. The word glory means weight. In our storms, we can so often get out, get out our measuring tape and we can so often look at, okay... This is how much it's costing me. This is how much it hurts. This is how it feels. This is how it's affect, affecting people. This is how much it's aged me. We start measuring it in our own ways. And we don't realize that God uses a different metric system. He uses glory. He uses the weighing scales. So don't measure yourself and say, well, this is how old this suffering and this storm has made me. This is how much money I've lost through this storm. This is how much it's hurt and how much it's affected other people. Those are, we're looking at the things that are seen. What God wants us to do is to weigh the suffering. How much is your suffering and your storm weighing? Because the eternal glory far outweighs the suffering and the storm that you've gone through. They may look big, your storms. We may get out our measuring tape and say, that storm is huge. But God says, what about putting it on the scales? It's nothing compared to the weight of glory that's coming. Don't measure it with your own eyes. Don't look at the things that are seen. Don't kind of put your own structures and your own way of understanding in place. Look with eyes of faith at what is unseen and weigh it against the eternal glory of God. Your suffering isn't meaningless. Your suffering, your storm has purpose. Practically, and in a moment we're going to sing. Practically, why don't we just focus on something that is good in your life right now? Especially if you're going through a storm. If you're getting out your tape measure and saying, goodness me, this storm is big. It's surrounding 
me. I, I, I can't see the end. It's too long. I've, it was 20 years that way and I can't see into the future. I can't ever see, see this end. You know, we get out our calendars and our diary. We start using human ways of measuring things. I start saying, well, it's this long. It's this big. It's this, it causes this much pain. It's cost me this much. But God says, use your eyes. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. What is God doing in your life, behind the scenes? What is he doing that you cannot see physically? How is he growing and developing and maturing you? How is he discipling you through it? Your storm has purpose. Your storm has purpose. I'm going to invite the band to come and we're going to sing. We're going to sing a little louder, yeah? (laughs) Are we going to um, sing in the middle of our storm? Are we going to sing a little louder? I just, just to kind of re-emphasize the point about suffering and meaningless. You might be sat there thinking, well, I don't understand what I've been through. I don't understand what I'm going through. And you're not alone in that. I could look and put, pull out a few Bible characters. My, my favorite character in the Bible, I'm going to finish with this, and we're going to perhaps pray, and then we'll lead into this song and we'll respond in some way but the character that I want to draw your attention to is John the Baptist because in the context of when we think suffering is meaningless what's the point this guy Jesus said when he was on earth he said this guy John the Baptist is the greatest man who has ever been born of a woman's womb he is the man John the Baptist now John was so committed to righteousness he challenged King Herod And he said, you should not be committing adultery. He challenged his behavior. The king and his punishment was to be put into prison for his righteousness. Now, you would think at this point, Jesus, being a superhero that he is, that we so often call him, would go and bust him out of jail, rescue him. And there we have a great story of triumph, of of good over evil. John sends Jesus a message and says, Can you, what's going on? Are you the one, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we are expecting? And Jesus says, Well, look at the lame, the, the lame walking, the blind seeing, the dead being raised. And you speak, just don't lose heart. So I think he uses that same phrase, don't lose heart. Now, the story goes on that Herod has a birthday party and he, he treats his guest to what I would consider an, an exotic, erotic dance. This is how the story goes. Remember, we're talking meaningless or apparent meaningless suffering. And as a a reward for this wonderful dance that they gave at this birthday party, King says, I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom. And she goes and consults with her mother and says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king has no choice. He's made that commitment. So he orders that John the Baptist be beheaded and now I don't know I can't picture that cell I can't picture that dungeon I can't picture what went on when that guard walked in did he give him time did he speak to him did he say anything did he explain why or did he just go in and do the deed from the outside looking in looking at the things that I can see looking at the date the deep the detail and the data and the analytics of it all it looks meaningless 
for the sake of a dance at a birthday party, somebody was beheaded. But it's not. Your light and momentary suffering is achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever you are going through, should we just stand up and just lift up our storms, lift up our hands, lift up our issues and our problems and let's just give to God. And let's just remind yourself, that storm is not going to destroy you. That storm has an end. And that storm has a purpose. It's producing something in you. It's changing you. It's building you. It's giving you an eternal perspective. It's equipping you that when you get to heaven, you'll be able to enjoy 